podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of the Nina Kaza Show. This is your post-match live call-in where we will be discussing Liverpool's 2-1 win against West Ham. Oh my God, it was almost a horror show. This show is brought to you in partnership with Liberty Shield, your perfect VPN companion for all your entertainment and privacy needs where you can get a massive 25% off using the coupon code AIVPN. That's right, 25% off using the coupon code AIVPN. Liberty Shield offer free VPN app for iOS, Android, Amazon Fire Stick, Mac and Windows. Now that was a smooth intro. Oh gosh, let's talk about this game. Shall we talk about this game? Joining me on this podcast because we've got to discuss it and um, hope we won't be talking about VAR too much, although it did try to shaft us. I am delighted to be joined by two awesome guests. First up, it's been a while since I've spoken to him, so it's great to have him back. It is Sam Evans. Welcome back, Sam. Hi, Nina. Uh, what can we say about this team? Just doesn't matter what the other, the opposition, the referees, anyone throws at us. We, we always seem to have an answer. Yeah, and your watch tells you to sit down, and I'm ready to pass out. And joining us, joining myself and Steve, it's. Um, Last week he was a caller. This week he is part of the panel because he's usually part of the panel. It's Dave Horrocks. Welcome back, Dave. Hey there, Nina. And and did Steve join us as well? Because I, I was sure it was Sam. But uh... she she loves calling me Steve. <laughs> if, you, if you're not aware of this yet, there's a problem. <laughs> no, but Nina, it's brilliant to be on again. Thank you so much for having me tonight. I, I won't feel offended if you call me. Mrs. Diego Jota, though, because I think I might be in love with that man. Yeah, you know what? There'll be a few fighting for you for that title. <laughs> you know? I'm sure there will be. Um, yeah, we will get into all of that. Um, guys, um, we, we, we do have a caller, Harinda. So what I will do is I will bring Harinda in. Harinda, join us. Hello. Hi. Whilst we're all on, can we all wish Lubo a very, very happy birthday? Lubo is an absolute legend. Happy uh, one of the birthday to, to you. <laughs> happy birthday to, to you. you. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to Lubo. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to, to you. Yeah, Yay! you know what? Yay! Brilliant. Round of applause for Harinda. That was a great rendition, that, that one. That is a voice. And you know what? I'm just going to share my favourite Lubo moment. And it was actually when he was actually at Anfield. And, um, and um, we were sat and we were we went to that restaurant. Oh, Harinda, what? That restaurant at the docks. What's it called? The Italian, the Italian restaurant. Gusto? Whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. That one. That one. Yeah, and just all of us like just sat there. Um, Josue, you know, everyone, uh, Katerina, everyone gags yourself. It was just incredible. So, you know what? It was, um, and your son as well, who is an absolute giant. But yeah, um, Lubo, have a wonderful birthday, and I hope you enjoy those three points. 
Now, Harinda, back to you. Easy. Trick or treat. Oh, you know what? Give me a treat. <laughs> treat day. Treat day. Okay. So my treat question is really simple. With us being defensively impaired, our midfield hamstrung, so to speak, our attack a little bit blunted, who will be our saviour and why? That's a treat question. The trick question would have been much worse, trust me. Oh, my God. Which one of you two want to tackle that first? I think we got the answer already today. This is certainly it's not bit, VAR, is it? It's, bit, <laughs> <laughs> it's not VAR. <laughs> VAR is trying its best to hold us back and stop this league being another formality this season. But uh, fair play, big Nat Phillips today. He's he's done a job, hasn't he? Because I, I think mm. it was one of those ones where... Reese Williams has looked a very silky player, to be fair to him, and he looks like he's someone who's who's got a lot of confidence with the ball at his feet and he's able to pass the ball out, but maybe not the strongest in the air. So I think that's the reason why Nat Phillips got the nod today. And Do you think age was a factor as well? Maybe not maybe not putting so much pressure on, on the 19-year-old? Because I think that is a bit of a factor with the Ergen Club as well. Yeah, maybe. And and also the fact that we've got these games coming thick and fast at the moment. So it's, mm. it's you know, there's plenty of minutes to go around because, as you've seen, the, the players are dropping like flies at the moment because there's so many games and there's, you know, teams in blue allowed to two-foot-out players with no penalties. So um, it's, it's making it... We're going to have to use the squad. And uh, I think to answer Harinda's slightly tongue-in-cheek question, it's it's going to be the squad that's the answer. And there's going to be boys going in there. I know we got some Twitter explosions going on. People very annoyed that we didn't sign a, a centre-back in the, in the transfer window. And, I, you know, I think we definitely should have signed one. I think it was a bit silly not. But, you know, I've got full faith in Klopp that he will find solutions within the squad. And to win this league... We're doing enough. So um, I think to answer the question, it's boys like Nat Phillips will come in and do a job for us when we least expect it. Yeah. Um, uh, Dave, I'll bring you in because I was really, really surprised at just how well um, he actually played. He even picked up man of the match. Really, he looked so dominant. And, you know, just right at the end, you know, uh, I know we're a bit everywhere, but just right at the end when uh, West Ham have that corner and, you know, his um, absolutely um, domineering header that just completely cleared it, you know, power. Yeah, I mean, that header just sealed the deal, didn't it? You know, he mm. got man of the match and then he just rose sprung up like a gazelle and headed it away and just we all breathed a collective sigh of relief, I think. I, I think that's, that is a really, really good question, though. I actually don't think there's a single player that is going to bring us out of this. I think it's more to do with the culture of winning that Klopp has just instilled within this squad. And so, I'll be honest, going into this game, I thought, you know what, what team... You know, unless you're Man City and you've got unlimited riches, what team can lose a couple of absolute world-class players and not take a drop in performance? You know, you bring in a couple of kids that you brought through the academy and 
I, I was a bit pessimistic going into this match. But just the mentality and even getting kicked in the teeth again right at the end, you know, in the last 10 minutes of the game, this team just doesn't matter. And it just does enough again. So I don't think there's a single player that is going to, you know, get us out of this mire. I think it's this is something that has been built up for the last five years and, and it doesn't really matter who comes in. This team pulls together and does enough and works hard for each other. Do you think, though, um, just to kind of add on this, I agree with you. I think goals will come from everywhere. I think we've kind of noticed that with some of the goal scorers. I mean, last year we had that that wild month where all the midfielders were scoring goals. And, you know, this season it's like kind of, sh- you know, shared out between the strikers. I mean, do you think now with the injuries, I mean, I think we look quite nice in terms of, um, you know, we look quite healthy in an attacking sense. And do you think now maybe when, you know, Klopp does actually have a roll of a dice in terms of what he'll be able to provide off the bench? Because, you know, um, one thing I absolutely loved was the fact that, you know, he brings on them two subs and we we did, you know, we infinitely looked better. You know, like there was a, a spark in a sense. That you know, you don't have to downgrade your play like we used to do way back in the day. No, no disrespect to Origi, but you know, you have to play a very different way. <laughs> and now you've got these kind of players that come on and they kind of um, complement the attack. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you know. I mean, oh, this is a typical David Moyes team, isn't it? I'd heard so many great things about how good West Ham are, and I know they've had some great results and what have you. Oh, fuck me, they're boring to watch, aren't they? All of the David Moyes teams are. They they always have been. But the fact is, one substitute that Klopp brought on played it to another substitute, and that was the winning goal. Klopp knew, you know, someone like Shakiri was just that right sort of player, you know, to thread a pass through the middle of defence. And, I mean, Jota, you can bring him on in, in any match, you know, make a difference. Um but but the fact, I, I completely agree, the fact that we have got options, you know, we've got different options to solve different problems, that that does, you know, help, obviously. But I still stand by it that, you know, it's still a cultural thing. If we'd have had, you know, Peter Crouch on there, we'd have, played, we'd have solved that problem a different way and still won 2-1. The goal would have just looked a bit different. Interesting. And what about yourself, um, Sam? Anything to add on to that before I go to um, Harinda again? Yeah, I just want to reiterate the the fact, Shakiri. I got to give the guy credit, right? You never hear a bad word said about him in the press. He's, I think, he's been quite unfortunate, both with some little injuries he's picked up, and also with the lack of selection, despite some promising performances. And I think every time he comes into the into the team. He is the ultimate professional. But one thing, you know, maybe he doesn't suit this Liverpool side the way he plays and maybe his pressing isn't up to standard as to what they require. But one thing you'll never doubt about him is his quality. His his quality on the ball. He showed it against Midgeland in the in the week. I thought he was our best player. And today when he came off the bench, yet again another assist. He's just got an eye for something different and he, he's got that quality on the ball that maybe some of our players don't have so I think he's he's another kind of ace in the hole that we might have when we've got these tough games he comes off the bench and he'll just perform straight off the bat so 
yeah, just him him and Jota as well. Bloody hell, what an introduction to the team. Um, they were saying on Sky Sports, he's the first Liverpool player to score in three consecutive home games from his debut since Luis Garcia. And I think that's a nice little intro for that guy. Absolutely. It's just, you know, what? it kind of upsets me because I, I kind of feel like he deserves to be celebrating in front of a crowd and things, you know, like, you know, it's just little little things like that, that where football is just so different right now. And I think Jews on Toast in the chat box there saying that, you know, you have to give a shout out to Shaq, which you have done and mention his big thighs. You know what? I'm going to raise you his thighs. I mean, I'll raise, I'll raise you one better and I will go and talk about his hair transplant. He is cousin it. He's got the height and everything. Literally, uh, the best hair, the best hair transplant. Uh, give me the name. He hasn't, he hasn't got the height. He hasn't got the height everywhere, Nina. Just in the hair. Yeah, just the hair. Because and it is like really, really tiny, right? His hair game is on point, though, isn't it? I think it's wonderful. It looks great. It is a very, very good hair <laughs> transplant. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and. Harinda, I'm going to bring you back into it. What do you? What did you make of um, what what the lads have said there? Well, I think uh, Dave Horrocks has nailed it. It's the team, the mm. team, and the mentality that's been bred with them. And also, yeah, you will give a shout out to the academy. Obviously, the, the lads all joining up with regards to the first team because you can see that cohesiveness in place. But defenders have gone out, um, and Nat Phillips didn't look out of place really. You know, I wasn't expecting miracles from him. I wasn't expecting him to be man of the match either. I really wasn't. But he's, he's completely surprised me. Um, it was what I said the, you know, before the game start, sorry, before the pod died. It's a bit worrying that we've reverted to a very old version of defence when we used to head the ball exactly to the opposition striker's feet or opposition player's feet so they could just tap it in or bang it in nicely past Mignolet. Um so when that happened, I, I was very worried. I thought, oh, shit, you know, we're not going to be nerds. But they didn't seem to do too much wrong after that, in that sense. I think there was one where um, Fornals, if he'd been better in his connection, it would have crept in. But other than that, with your first team defence and, and midfield in front of it kind of not available, then this isn't a bad show. It really isn't. You know, you kind of temper your expectations. And Gags did well in the Discord chat earlier to kind of make sure that people did that, uh, myself included, because even I was thinking, oh, shit, this is going to be terrible. Um, and once you temper your expectations, then Liverpool, with second-stroke third-rung players, are top of the league. When, when, you look at that, when, you, when you look at it like that, you're like, okay, I, I, all right, it's a game in hand. But that's kind of where you need to be, right? You need to be just keeping pace. No one's going to win the league right now in October going into November. Um, we've got to wait for December away and something like Leicester away. for that to happen, remember? Um, so I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised by us. All right. It, it wasn't what you would call a vintage Liverpool performance. It's, yeah, like he was saying, it's a vintage Liverpool non-performance win. You, know, you don't have to perform very, very well, but you get the three points, move on. And it's, Liverpool have done that. Effectively, have done a job what they needed to do. Moisaya can go back to West Ham crying, thinking that, you know what, yet again, I haven't got a win at Anfield when I thought I was going to get one finally, but I had to scored first. Great day. Great day. There it is. It's absolutely a great day. And Harinda, anything else you'd like to add? I'm not even going to ask you your treat question because, my God, watching that game was exhausting. I'm mentally tired. 
<laughs> uh, my tree question was the one I gave you. It was trick that I didn't give. Sorry, trick. Get it, get, get it right. This is I what mean, I mean. They... I'm mentally exhausted. What do you mean you're mentally exhausted? You should save your energy for trick or treat. You won't be able to go out after Thursday. <laughs> I'm surprised you can go. No, 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 go anyway. Uh, Lord knows what's happened there. But yeah, you know what? It's a, it's a job done sticker moment right for Liverpool. Just move on and, and, and carry on going. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Just keep going. Um, and you know what, lads? Um, uh, well, Harinda, thank you so much for your call. No problems. Everyone, take care. Have a good evening. All the best. Cheers, man. All, all the best. All the best. Right. Uh, I think Harinda just kind of touched on something T- on top of the league. And you know what I find absolutely astounding, Sam, is the fact that, you know, you know, the media and the press and, you know, when you're watching Liverpool on Sky and BT, etc., they keep talking about Liverpool's very poor start to the season. And how amazing Everton are, you know, uh, before obviously last weekend, you know, how amazing Everton are. And it just goes to show that, you know, what the expectations on, on this Liverpool team. And I, I'm, I, don't, I mean, we'll talk about the game in a minute, but like for me, it kind of really bothers me because I think they're kind of forgetting the fact that top teams like Liverpool and Man City and, you know, everyone that's playing European football are actually struggling because they're playing week in, week out. It is a contributing factor. Would you agree? Yeah, Nina, what we've got to realise is this is what happens when you're a top, top team or as we are, the absolute best team. When, when you've won the league at a canter, as we did last season, everyone wants to knock you off your perch. And that includes the press. They're, mm. they're, despre- they're desperate to, to find any little chinks in your armour and to try and knock you down a peg or two because they do not want another procession for this Premier League this season. And I think, you know, we, we've seen it in the press itself, obviously, trying to make a bigger... De- and I know the 7-2 against Villa was absolutely shocking. But to be fair, if you look back at it, some of the refereeing decisions in that game were a disgrace. Um, some terrible luck in that game as well. But fair enough, we weren't good enough that day. We deserved it. But, you know, apart from that game, we deserve to win every single game. You know, the, the Everton game, we've discussed it to death. That was nothing short of corruption, I'm afraid, how bad that referee and display was. So, you know, they're, they're absolutely desperate to, to make something more of this situation because, you know, we as a team are known as having probably the most influential supporters of all the teams in the league. They're absolutely fantastic, especially at home. You know, they've been given credit for dragging us out of some terrible, terrible situations. But you've got to give credit to this team, the mentality of these boys, the amount of times that they've come from difficult situations like today, uh, Sheffield United as well. Both times we've come out of the game with the win. Um, Lubo's put a nice tweet in from Andrew Beasley in the chat as well, uh, saying the last 10 league games at Anfield in which Liverpool conceded the opening goal, we've won all 10. You know, that that just goes to show the, the difference in this Liverpool side to maybe five years ago. You know, back then we'd concede the opening goal, we'd think, oh no, here we go. I don't know about you guys, but today we conceded the opening goal. I went, right, OK, then, guys, let's go two. And, and, and I was just expecting it to come, and yet again it comes. And I just think it's, despite horrendous injuries, no crowd, which is going to be a big blow for us because we do take advantage of the momentum of that. Some horrific 
refereeing calls. And I'm sorry, it, it, it does strike me as something they're trying to do a bit of a leveller here. It's getting so bad. Um, and despite all of those things, we're still top of the league. So, you know, nothing but praise for this squad. Yeah, it seems like we've got two opponents there. And Lubo with the excellent stats. I think he's trying to up the quality of this show. But for me, he just throws me off my game. But Sam, I'm glad I've got I've got you here. That keeps an eye on the chat. Lubo, Lubo's always coming in with the best tweets. And, and um, Dave, I'll come to you because I'd like to get your thoughts on this as well. You know, with... With the season starting late, not a pre-season for any team, let's be honest. Pretty much been thrown straight back into football. Uh, the teams that are playing in Europe have a much, much tougher schedule. We knew this was going to happen, but it is taking a, it is taking its toll. And I think when you watch these disjointed Liverpool performances or, you know, whoever you're watching, if the, you know, whoever uses football, this is a Liverpool channel. So we are focusing on Liverpool, but you have to take that into consideration. You know, the fact that you are going to get injuries, you know, we are, we're going to be more prone to injuries and also we're going to be prone to more sort of fatigued and lethargic kind of performances because, you know, today was not vintage Liverpool. Yeah, it absolutely wasn't. And yeah, I, I think I was mentally certainly going into this game, tempering my expectations because I, like I say, we, we, I'd actually said we were missing two world-class players. So I was thinking Van Dijk and and Fabinho. But obviously, we've not got Thiago there as well. And Mm. especially with the way, you know, Moyes... You could have really done with him today. Exactly. The way Moyes sets those teams up, I was thinking that is just what we need. He is exactly the sort of player that we need. And honestly, slightly forgetting that Shakiri is there as an option. You know, he, he gives that little bit of something creative as well, you know, at, at times. Obviously, not quite, not in the same bracket as Thiago, but but he just gives that creativity in the, in the final third. So, yeah, I think we we look like we should be suffering you know and and having the 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 relentless schedule that we've got and obviously you know the last time it was the three of us wasn't it, it was uh when we got dicked by Aston Villa so <laughs> that lives quite fresh in the memory quite honestly mm-hmm. and you're thinking oh if the wheels are they just going to come off but like i say these guys they're mentality monsters they they just keep churning it out and i think i can't remember if it was uh, i think it might have been Simon Brundish that i saw a tweet you know, just after that, he was like, right, this is great. We won't lose again. You know, and especially, I think, after the, the Everton game, the way that went as well, you know, the, the injustice of it all. Yeah. You can't help but feel that the squad binds together even further, you know. And, and I, I don't think there's not many sides that can bring in youth players like we have tonight. And I, I know Jones has played a few games He's still, you'd still put him in the junior bracket, wouldn't you? Yeah, I don't think well. there's there's many that can bring in those players and still, you know, break down a really stubborn team. They they, you know, were looking to snatch a result. That was it. That was that was the old classic Moyes tactic. Let's you know be well organized. Let's frustrate them when they're in possession, and then maybe try and get something. And I just think the the professionalism, we didn't lose our heads. We didn't get frustrated and start pumping balls into the box. Just kept wearing them down. And I, even I felt 
fairly comfortable we were going to find a way. Yeah, I, I felt that as well. I think, you know, just the nature of the goal and how, how quick we kind of conceded. And Sam, I'll come to you on this one because, yeah, but, you know, um, let's kind of talk about that because, uh, you know, I think there was a lot of emphasis on, on Nat Phillips and how, uh, you know, um, Gomez, even though being ever so slightly younger, would have to, was the experience and would, you know, would technically have to kind of in some degree um, uh, mentor Phillips through that game. And, you know, uh, Joe Gomez, uh, you know, poor clearance header, you know, you, you have to call it as it is. But um, overall, um, I, I thought the two centre-backs after that, I was actually really, really worried about Joe Gomez, not because I think he's bad, but I, I, I was kind of hoping that, hang on a minute, I hope this doesn't affect your game. But it looked like he kind of pulled himself um he pulled himself back together pretty quick, which was quite good. And I think one of the um big influences of that is maybe having like um your number one goalkeeper behind you as well, you know, uh, you know, another form of massive experience. Yeah, we, we saw the importance of Alisson against Sheffield United actually. Mm. But um you you were touching on Nat Phillips there. I think he's someone we can see his strength is a bit old school and it might be a bit championship or a bit lower half of the Premier League but it's pure aerial dominance and old school defending and I think with Van Dyke out of the team um, and with Matt Dip also injured who is you know very tall and, and good in the air mm. it, it's something we maybe lacked and we and Sheffield United did expose us a little bit uh, in the air, and they got a lot of joy out of it. So I think maybe Klopp was protecting Reese Williams against that kind of treatment today, and thought maybe Nat Phillips would be the you know horses for courses option today. Um, and helps so, out Joe Gomez in that regard as well, because that's something that people really focus on Joe Gomez about that he's not very good aerially. Yeah, he's he's not. Joe Gomez is decent in the air, but he, mm. he's not dominant and yeah. can be got at um, in the air. That's something that he can be caught out with. Uh, today, I think that was a bit of a freak. He totally misjudged it. Um, he, you don't head it straight out unless you're getting a lot of distance on it. And the problem was, it was kind of like hip height almost. It was something I think Carragher said he could have just probably kicked it out. But he's, he's misjudged the height of it and ended up ducking down, which meant that he couldn't get the distance on it. So, in hindsight, he should have just hit it sideways into touch, um, clear his lines. But it, it's an error and there's no way to get away from it. And I think his follow-up challenge to try and close him down was terrible as well. He actually moved away from the shot. Um, but credit to Gomez. I thought he recovered, as you said, really yes. well from that. And I don't think he put a foot wrong after that. And I think we were very, very comfortable in general um, against West Ham the rest of the game. You know, we, we were very poor in the first half. And I, I do agree with Dave saying, if we had Thiago today, that he's going to be the X factor this season against these sides who play this kind of football. If we can get him fit and playing in these matches, we'll just tear them apart. It doesn't matter. They can sit there all day. Thiago will strangle them to death death by football uh, if he's in the team and they, it won't matter what tactics they play we'll just dominate the game so much they'll just tire and we'll get the gaps so I'm I'm really looking forward to him getting a good run in the side because I think he you know might be that actual the actual answer to Harinda's first question which is who will be 
uh, the answer now that we've got Van Dijk out. Maybe having someone as dominant as him in midfield will just mean defence will become irrelevant to a game. Yeah, potentially. And um, Dave, I'll come to you. I mean, what did you make of uh, the the defensive setup in 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 general? I mean, that that that, that partnership, you know, f- for for the game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when the team comes out, I'm a, I'm a bit nervous. Um, haven't seen a lot. It's natural, you know. Yeah. You've got, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Nat Phillips. I'd heard lots of good things about him. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if someone didn't have a word with him, you know, to, to just calm him down. Because uh, strangely, as, as great a footballer team as we are, what we haven't had for ages is just, as Sam says there, you know, a championship type centre back who is just a big bruising centre back who just, you know, when there's danger, just get it out. <laughs> you know? And I think th- there was a couple of times when uh, it came to Phillips and, you know, he could have tried to bring it down and tried to play it out and I had... You know, in those microseconds in that time, I'm, my mind flashes back to the likes of Skirtle, you know. And it, when you have those limited kind of centre-backs, you're thinking, well, know what your strengths are. And I just thought he kept it absolutely simple. I, who knows what his future is going to be? But I thought tonight he was, I wouldn't say he was flawless, but he did, you know, a really, really good job tonight. And And I thought when he had to, you know, he just headed it out, he booted it out, and he, he just did everything. So, you know, I'm still, you know, I I remember the days when I thought Nick Tanner was going to be the next uh, uh, Alan Hansen. So, you know, uh, I'm not going to predict too many great things for him. But tonight, he did a brilliant job. He did all that could be asked of him. And I think, um, you know, Klopp might have just done it again. You know, whether whether he has a career with us, or whether that's just stuck another five, ten million on his price tag, I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to watch this space. And, you know, as as things stand right now, you know, um, we're just kind of hoping whoever Klopp throws in has, like, the most impeccable games, because that's all you can hope and wish <laughs> for, you know? It's, it's a really, really strange situation to be in. Yeah, um, for me, I, I didn't have much problems with the defence. I was like you as well, Dave. I was like, oh, gosh. But, but I was going to feel like that anyway, regardless, because even if it was Ginny playing centre-back or Henderson or whoever, you know, I would have had that because you've not got somebody who's naturally in that position. The only one that I'm comfortable with in that position was, of course, Fabinho. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's that's just a natural reaction when you, all your centre-backs are actually out injured. And, you know, you're, you're looking at somebody that you've not seen an awful lot of. I mean, I, I didn't watch Nat Phillips last season. I'm going to be honest with you, you know. So, uh, you know, for me, from what I saw and, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy with that. Um, we'll see how things progress um, uh, as, as, as things unfold. Hopefully Fabinho isn't out for too long and Matip can get back as well because I think that's what we're all kind of praying for right now. Um, let's move on. Um, uh, of course, you know, they, they score, whatever. We kind of knew Liverpool were going to do stuff. I mean, let's kind of talk about the first half. And uh, Dave, I'm going to stick with you on this because it was like like Sam and yourself both touched on. It was a really, really frustrating kind of performance. I was sat there thinking, oh, am I, are we frustrating or are we being frustrated? You know, in, in a sense that our, our West Ham just set up, like you guys have said, just to kind of defend, defend, defend. And they, they were, they were defending. They had like pretty much five at the back. But for my part, we were very slow to kind of respond. And, you know, we were, we were sort of like 
too many touches on the ball and not enough creativity. And I felt like the front three were completely snuffed out. And, you know, but I was watching Firmino. I mean, I know he gets a lot of criticism and rightly so because he's not been playing well. But, you know, I found that our attackers were getting deeper and deeper trying to get the ball. And, well, that just makes the job so easy for the opposition. Yeah, I, th- I think they were set up really well. So I, I think we were uh, being frustrated, but also uh, the flip side is I, I think we were a bit frustrating as well. We were taking a bit too long. We were trying to be a mm. bit too precise. And, and when we're at our best, we, we just absolutely, you know, when we get the ball, we have that killer, you know, two or three passes and then someone's away. I, I do think we were a little bit slow, a little bit deliberate. But like I say, you know, you you can't lose so many great players in your side and and not have a little bit of a drop off in performance um I, I do think West Ham played really well it went absolutely to Moyes' perfect script you know they frustrated us you, you can see when the ball moves around the pitch from left to right their whole team shuffles it's not just about their back four their whole team shuffles and they, they're just trying to compress the pitch and, and the space that we've got to play within. And so, you know, when they scored the goal, and I completely agree with Sam, it, Gomez just lost the flight of the ball. He thought it was coming higher than it was. So that's why he has to stoop uncomfortably to, to kind of get down. And then, then it looks horrible. But, um, you know, it, it just is what it is. I think he's been immense since, uh, since Virgil went out. But yeah, I, th- I thought West Ham played really well. Um, the the only player for me who I thought had a decent game, and I, I noticed in, in the ratings, I saw Mane, at the moment, he's rated as a six. I just don't get that at all. I think he's the one player who, for me, it doesn't matter how the team's playing, he always looks a little bit better than everyone else. And he's almost toying with people. And you can see when people are doubling up on him, that should create space for others. But because we were moving the ball so slowly, it wasn't really paying off. Um, but yeah, really, really frustrating first half. And uh, there were a few expletives when West Ham did actually score because I, I just thought, right, well, great. They're going to sit back even more now and frustrate us even more. And that, that's pretty much what happened. And then it was really, you know, when the penalty came, that that changed the whole game. Absolutely. And Sam, I'll come to you. I mean, give me your thoughts on, on the first half. And and I like your thoughts on the penalty as well, because I was sat there and I was laughing because given the rules right now, yeah, it's a penalty and there was contact. And given the fact that Fabinho actually touched the ball last week outside the box and it was still kind of given... Like, there are no rules. Football is absolutely lawless these days. Um, so just talk to me about this one. Yeah. Um, it, it, some of the decisions you see in this day, these days are... Batshit crazy. Batshit crazy is a good description. You know, let's go back to the Villa game. We're at 1-0 down and they just kick bits out of Salah in the box and they decide not to give the penalty... Villa go the other side, uh, up the pitch, and they score <laughs> to make it 2-0. And you're just like, stood there aghast, baffled as to what you've just seen. Um, you know, Villa then get a couple of borderline offside decisions given their way. You think, okay, fair enough, they're playing the um, 
the advantage these days to the attacker, which I'm I'm all for as long as they do it in every game. And then you go to games like the Everton game where the, you know they're missing two footed lunges on Van Dyke, putting him out for the season. There, and then the same kind of offside decisions where Manny looks onside, they're giving offside, but they give the two against Villa off onside. It it just seems to be totally all over the place. So it's it's a welcome sight to see Salah go down when he gets kicked in the box because mm. he's got a bad rep for, for being a diver. But the amount of times where he's had to deal with his shirt being pulled, being yeah. kicked to bits in the box, and he keeps going because he's so desperate to score goals. And today he just said, you've just kicked me in the leg. I, I'm just going to go down. Bullshit. I'm not, I'm not taking it anymore because... Salah's so strong when he backs into defenders, he takes all sorts of kicking and he just takes it. But today he's just decided, you know, we're 1-0 down. They're not playing fair here. When you get kicked in the box, it is a penalty. And it appears you're not going to get that bloody penalty unless you go down. So, you know, it's, it's a refreshing change to see that we're doing what it takes to win these games. You know, that, that goal that got disallowed for us today. Bloody hell. Um, what Mane diving in to try and challenge for the ball disrupted no one. And they disallowed it just because he made a challenge. So these are the kind of things we're putting up with these days. It's nitpicking, so, isn't it, now? It's not even like clear uh, and obvious. It's like, what are you doing? And well, it's got to the stage where like you, you score a goal and my arms are still folded. Yeah, well, th- this is the this is the one thing I've got a problem with, right? I'm a massive rugby union fan, mm. and I I don't think we're going to get an answer to this until the referees mic'd up and we can hear it as a, as an audience, and the people in the VAR room are mic'd up and we can hear them as an audience live on the telly, because then they'll become accountable for how they're speaking in rugby. You know, sometimes you don't agree with their decisions. Fair enough. People, they're human at the end of the day. We've got to accept that. It's still human error possible. Okay, fair enough. Mm. But if you're hearing what their discussion is, how they're coming to their decisions, you can, first of all, it'll stop their bullshit bias, which I'm, I'm sure is happening at times this season. But also, it'll talk us through the decision-making process and it'll also make them a bit more accountable for their decisions. And I think you might get the right decision a bit more often in that situation. So I think that's the the most important thing. But to to come back to the question, the the first half was dire, wasn't it, really? Let's be honest. Uh, But we've we've got a habit of that. You know, when we've got tough games and we've seen a tough first half, you you, you have full faith that Klopp is going to, go in at half-time, have a chat with him, and we do come out better in the second half. But not only that, he's got he's always got the tools on the bench in order to change the game. And you, know, you can see why Klopp was so, so keen for five substitutions to be allowed in the Premier League this season. You know, I, I personally think it's a bit of an unfair advantage for, the, for maybe the, the, the bigger teams like Liverpool and Man City. But... The reason why Klopp wanted it this season, and I agree with him, is because the calendar is so compressed. It's it's to protect the players. You know, we've seen already the amount of injuries that have happened in the Premier League, and with the lack of substitutions, we are now Klopp is basically having to play Reese Williams and Nat Phillips, who would not have had a sniff of a game this season otherwise. So, fair play to Klopp. 
finding the solutions within the squad. And, you know, it, it's not going to be pretty sometimes, guys. We're, we're going to have to grind it out. But if last season taught us anything, we've got the mentality to do exactly that. That we certainly do, and you're absolutely spot on. I mean, that first that first half, I was contemplating just waiting for Boris Johnson, you know, just play the waiting game. It might be more entertaining. I don't know. Uh, Dave, I'll come to you. I mean, um, talk to me about maybe some of the players that really impressed you. I think Ginny got a lot of love today. Midfield-wise, I felt, again, in the first half, it looked somewhat a little bit disjointed. I think that's maybe because maybe a Curtis Jones was thrown in. I wasn't overly sure as to... I mean, he's a young kid. I'm not putting too much on him, but, you know, he didn't look quite settled in that game. But I thought Ginny actually had a really good game. And I think Lou both threw some stats in there as well, if you want to go through them. Yeah, I mean, I, I always think Ginny looks quite good. I mean, it, people ride him a bit because he doesn't score enough or get enough assists or anything. But, I mean, he's so strong on the ball. He's feet are so quick um i i think he he looks great where he becomes frustrating is uh, you know when you have games like today where you're looking for something you know a bit more kind of forward penetration or you know just things aren't really happening but i always think you know genie genie is fantastic and i will really really miss him if and when he goes you know i i think he's really really brilliant signing um you know if you think to where this journey all kind of really started to when things really started to change it was when the likes of gd and and mane came in but um i actually thought curtis jones you know for for a young kid to come into the side i i think he slots in there well i i think he doesn't look out of place you know he'll have a Sometimes it will play better than other times, but I think he looks comfortable. You know, he doesn't look out of his depth or anything. I, I think he, he plays a good game. He's he's creative. He's physically, you know, he, he looks he looks older than he does. Um, Nat Phillips does as well, to be honest. 23 and a beard like that. Christ, I'm 44 and I couldn't grow a beard as good as that. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I, I just think, I, I think we... Without playing particularly well, I don't. I don't think anyone had a had a stinker. I think, like say, West Ham were just really, really good. And what I would say is, you know, Mane and Salah. You know, they again they can be frustrating at times. But Salah going down for that penalty, I I was amazed that that penalty got given. Not because I didn't think it was a penalty. I did think it was a penalty, but. English referees are so biased, in my humble opinion, against Salah. They've been yes. drummed into it. They've been drummed, you know, into that narrative that, you know, he's diving all the time. He basically has to get properly chopped down. It has to be undeniable for him to win a penalty. And I notice you pick up on these little things. Mika Richards at half time was talking about, you know, initially he didn't think it was a a penalty and he says uh, about the defender just touched him there that that word he just touched him and then he also used the word scream he says i heard salah scream these choices of words you can tell there is absolutely a bias and i'm not having it that there isn't and and i don't know what you do about that you just bitch and moan <laughs> and you know as i will do um and he 
you know, fair play to uh, Salah. You know, he doesn't moan about it. He just gets up, dusts himself off, and he gets back on with it. So fair play to him. But I think for, for dealing with the frustration that he does, hats off to him. I fucking never actually feel comfortable with him taking a penalty, though, I must admit. I don't like it when someone blasts it down the middle too much, you know, and, and for me, I thought that penalty was saved, to be honest. I mean, what do you guys reckon? Has he, has he actually ever missed one for us, though? Like that's, I was saying this on a pod before. When he first started taking pens, I hated it because he was doing that type of stuff. But I think it's clear he's been practicing them loads and he's if he sees the keeper diving, he just goes down the middle. I think it's simple as that. But, I mean, uh, last week was a massive indication. Both him and Milner were on the pitch, right? And he took yeah. it. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. I thought exactly the same. I thought Milner I know, was Milner, number one. bet your house and your mum's house and yeah. everyone's house yeah. on, you know, like if you're a betting person. <clears throat> but I, I think Salah's record for us, you know, it, it, it speaks for itself now. I think doesn't matter what it says to your eyes might be saying one thing to him. Um, and they were saying exactly the same thing to me, mate, because it, it seems to be the down the middle one is scary, isn't it? Because you're like, well, if he didn't dive, he'd have saved that. But I, if, he'd have, if he didn't dive, he wouldn't have hit it down the middle, I think is yeah. the answer. I, I, think, I think he is, you know, just make, you haven't seen him hit it straight at a keeper down the middle once yet. Touch wood. I'm touching wood, you guys, because... <laughs> Um, there's bound. Let's hope there's more penalties coming. You know, so um, yeah, I just think he he's very good at pens at the moment, and until he misses one, he's having the pens all day long for me. Yeah. I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. I mean, you you're absolutely right. It's one of those irrational things, and I'd much prefer you know when he takes a proper run up, you know, than to than to this like Pogba type nonsense when someone does the like tippy tappy toes right up to it. So you know he's gonna give it some proper welly, but yeah, I did think he'd miss that one. <laughs> yeah, Lu Lubo's Lubo stepped up to the mark in the chat again. He's got oh, nice, um, nice. and he's he's come in with a Salah's missed only one penalty, his very first one against Huddersfield, which is when we were doubting him, see mate. He's obviously been practicing. Uh, he scored 13 of his 14 penalties for Liverpool in all comps, which is incredible. So that must mean then that'll be 13 in a row, Lubo. So, oh shit, unlucky. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he scored it. He scored it. The 13th has been now. So uh, I'm glad uh, no one Hall- in the commentary said that before. Yeah. This is his 13th penalty. <laughs> <laughs> on Halloween. <laughs> yeah. On Friday. Uh, yeah. No, no, we're all right. But uh, yeah, so. I don't think it's I don't think it's in it. I think he's actually very good at it, mate. Yeah. And the thing is as well, you kind of need a, a designated penalty taker that's gonna play week in, week out, because I think two years ago it was Milner, and how often does Milner play? You know? So you, you kind of do exactly. need that. Yeah, so you definitely do need that. And um, you know, and if he's scoring them, like you said, and his stats are really good, and the last one that he missed was Huddersfield was probably about two seasons ago, I I'm assuming. Probably about two seasons ago. So you know, it, it looks it looks good for him. Um, Sam, I'll stick with you. What did you make of the midfield? You've not really. I don't think I've come to you on this one. I bloody love Genie Wijnaldum. I I was gutted. I was so happy with the talk of Thiago, and it sounded really positive that we were going to be getting him. But a lot of the 
media outlets seem to be saying it was going to be at the, ex- ago, yeah. at the expense of Wijnaldum. And I was like, that is a massive mistake. The guy is bulletproof. Um, his availability, availability well. is yeah. off the chart. He is by far the most available of our midfielders. He plays every game nearly. You know, he's so, so, so fit. So it's so so consistent, and I just today I personally I thought he was absolutely key today. I thought he was our best performer in the midfield uh, by a mile. I just think he doesn't give the ball away. He gets given the ball in really really tight areas, and he can just turn and swivel and, and get away from them. He does a lot of work that doesn't really get the credit it deserves, and. I that's all I wanted this summer. I think it it seems clear that he might fancy a different challenge after this. Uh, you know, he's done everything. He's won the European Cup and the league with Liverpool, and he, he's got one big payday left. And I don't think Liverpool is the team that's going to give him that payday. You know, we've been screwing him over for the last three years, to be honest, on his wages. Um, so I think his agent is setting him up one big payday, and good luck to the guy. I just wanted him to play out his contract this season. I think we needed one more season out of him just to, first of all, bed Thiago in for a season, but also give us a chance to get another midfielder in or to offer another midfielder, maybe like Curtis, to develop a bit more first. So, um, yeah, midfield-wise, I think, you know, Henderson ticked over, but nothing great, but he did, he did a good job and, and it led to Liverpool being one hell of a lot of possession today. So, you know, I think we had, it was like 72% possession today. So the midfield's doing its job when you've got possession of that level. Uh, Curtis Jones, decent, you know, it didn't give the ball away much, but it doesn't seem to be doing all that much, but he's a very young player and, and very, very promising and, and and was was solid, you know, but nothing flash, but... It wasn't that type of game. It was a very difficult game to be flash. West Ham played with 12 players, 13, 14 players behind the ball, it felt like today. So uh, when Curtis was looking up, he had two, three players coming at him. So we've got to be fair to the guy. But I just thought Wijnaldum stood out an absolute mile. Every time we passed him the ball, he'd either find a little bit of space when he's in difficulty or he'd play a nice, safe pass. And I just think he is so, so important to this team. And we're not going to realise just how good a player he was until he's left this club. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, I think he's one of those little unsung heroes that just really does get things ticking throughout. Um, Dave, I'll, I'll come to you. I mean, now, um, we're kind of pretty much discussing everything. We might as well go with the attack. I mean, we spoke about Mosala. I thought Mosala had a really good game. He spoke about Sadio Mane as well. I think there's a lot of people calling for um, Bobby Firmino to maybe get some rest. Looks a bit tired, looks a bit exhausted. I don't know how do you feel about that because I feel like Bobby, um, he's, I don't know what it is. He's still working really hard. Don't get me wrong. His mm-hmm. work rate is off the charts. He runs defenders ragged. I also highlighted the fact that I saw him like trying to pick up the ball from deeper areas, which is something that he's always done. But I feel like in, in an attacking sense, he's just not what he was. And I don't think that's a quality thing. I just think he just looks really knackered. 
It could be, couldn't it? I, I think. I mean, he's still class. Um, he's just going through a, a bit of a bit of a poor run of form. I think he still works his nuts off, like you yeah, say. I, you know, he he never ever stops running, and I just think it's one of those that if you look at prior to kind of bringing in Minimino and Yota, I do think that you know when we had to play Origi there. The whole it seemed to offset the whole team. It, we all we seem to look disjointed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, no, I I love Origi, honestly. I, I think I think honestly, side issue, but I I do think he has to move on because I think he'll be a great number nine for someone, but he yeah. just isn't going to fit into this this yes. way of playing. Um, so so that's why I think we looked we look off and so Bobby still kind of he still plays his role but without doing the fantastic things that we know he's capable of and when you're tired as you say you it's not just about physically what you can do mentally you're just not necessarily as switched on and sharp as well and I do think you know this whole season in fact since the whole project restart I don't think he's looked the same player I do think he possibly just needs to be taken out of that firing line for a bit, um, just recharge, and and then, you know, it, it'll come back even better than he was before because, you know, that football brain of his, it, it's still there. It's just, it, it's not coming off for him at the moment. But the fact that we have options, that is the massive difference that, that we've seen in this last kind of, uh, let's say, 12 months. Because before that, we didn't have options. So if we didn't play Bobby, we were a bit screwed. And then the whole team isn't functioning in the same way. Mm. Um, I, I do think I would like to see, personally, Minamino just put up there for a bit just to give Bobby a rest. Because I, I don't know. I, th- I think it is poor form, but it could be, as you say, it could be that he's just a bit tired. Mm. The thing is, though, it's like a risk that you don't really want to take as well against the teams that we're going to be playing now. You know, we've got Atlanta, we've got Atlanta and Man City before the international break. I mean, Sam, talk to me about this situation with Roberto Firmino. Uh, you know, uh, since Project Restart, he's not really been himself. Um, I think he's really missing his parties. Um, you know, uh, I think we all follow him on social media. He he likes to have a party and he seems to be very quiet on the social media front. I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, talk to me about his performance. Yeah, he might be powered by people and he's not getting his party. He's, he's not got the, the crowd in the ground singing his name and and he's lacking that little bit of oomph. Um, it, it's a tough one for with Firmino because... I agree he's definitely not at the level he was previously, but it's undeniable he plays a key role in this side. I'm with you, Nina. I was going to say I really noticed how deep he was coming to get the ball today. It was Mm. insane. It seemed to Mm. be he was coming nearly as far back as the halfway line at times Yes, um, to get involved with play. But that is all part of dragging the defence, you know, you've got a centre-back, they'll follow him for a bit and then they'll see he's gone really, really deep and they're like, oh, do I stay with him? Do I drop back? Do I?" And I just think it's it's just constant perpetual motion and, and it means that it gives space for Salah, Mane or whatever to play. 
I think ideally Klopp would like to rotate him a little bit more and I think Minamino would be the ideal one. But even though Minamino looked very, very promising at the in pre-season and in the charity shield, I thought he looked very promising. In his performances since then, performances since then, Minamino has looked incredibly lightweight, unfortunately. And I don't know if you felt the same, but he seems to be struggling to hold the ball up in those positions where Firmino does manage to and he gives the ball away a lot and is kind of being a bit out-muscled. So that has kind of... Yeah, well, I think he does. I think it's, you know, Trent... You saw a big difference in Trent, Trent's physique. Mm. Um, uh, Joe Gomez, um, some of these players when they came in, were incredibly talented, but didn't quite have the physicality required. And I think Minamino's got some lovely touches and some, you know, a lot of potential to be a good player for this side and to be a good rotation option on occasion for Firmino. But at this moment in time, I don't think Klopp trusts him enough. Uh, And I think at the moment he he much prefers a six or seven out of ten Firmino than a 9 out of 10 Minamino, you know. Um, so I, I just think he's going to continue to go with Firmino as he is now because what, what's happening is he's basically tiring out the opposition and we've now got that that extra element of Jota on the bench who is who's absolutely flown at the blocks. I, you know, I, I always rated him at Wolves. I thought he was a decent player. But first of all, I thought he was about 30. <laughs> so I never even he wasn't even on my radar because I just assumed he was an older player and second of all I never realised just how good he is but he, he's 23 Jota and oh my god the skies are the limits with that guy he's he presses like an absolute machine and as as we've seen now in a better side he, he's really really got an eye for goal so I just think even though to the eye yet again they <laughs> Dave, um, the eye test isn't really helping us with Firmino. Some of it, it looks like he's stinking the place out. But I think purely by his off-the-ball work, that's why he's staying in the team. You know, his his form isn't there on the ball, unfortunately, at the moment. But his off-the-ball work is is there regardless of form always. And I think that's why he has to remain in the team now. Atalanta away... I think it's important he plays again, unfortunately, because if yeah. we win that game, we've pretty much sewn up the, the group. Um, and then we can end up having two kind of re- games to to rotate at the end of the Champions League, which could be invaluable for us. Um, so I think we're going to have to just kind of dog it out now for uh, Atalanta away and then Man City away. And then, you know, we've got a nice little break and then hopefully you can come back a bit refreshed and uh, um, we can get him firing again. And, and if if Firmino put in a performance like that tonight, say he was a, another kid we'd brought in, and that was the first time we saw him tonight, we'd be raving about him now. It, it's because we've seen, you know, how good Bobby can be. Yeah, you know, he set the and, bar very high for himself. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, when, I, when, when I think that's a good like, point. Yeah, because I think what he's when when Firmino's at when Firmino is peak, not only is he doing all that defensive work, but he is taking defenders in places where they don't want to go, and he's outsmarting everyone. And he's you know he he's like the brain of the attack, isn't he? Let's be honest, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yep. 
he doesn't get the goals. He's completely selfless, but, you know, he's playing those passes. He sees those runs. He's playing that ball. And, you know, I, I think you guys will agree with me. I mean, with Man City coming up, we used to, like, rub our hands at that fixture because we were like, watch Roberto Firmino have a masterclass against that oh, defence. Yeah. He takes them to, you know, dodgy alleys, as Sam knows, that they don't want to go down. You know, he, he takes them to really, really unpleasant places. And he, and he always used to get goals against them. That is peak Roberto Firmino. So we're used to that. We're accustomed to that. We expect that all the time, you know, like, and the whole confidence of the no-look finishes and all that. And that's kind of been taken down, like, a fair few notches. And because he's not doing any of that and he's certainly not scoring, so you start there thinking, well, a blind person will think, oh, he's completely out of the game. But obviously we watch the game, we analyse it, and, you know, we know his role and his function and we know just how hard he works. But for somebody who's never seen Liverpool or doesn't watch Liverpool or expects a number nine to constantly, constantly score, they will look at Roberto Firmino and think he is just wasting a shirt number or he's, you know, like there's no point in him being there. But we, like you said, we play very differently and he's such a unique player. Yeah, and I was actually getting a bit emotional when Sam was talking about Genie and I was thinking, oh, he's going to have to go at some point, but he's just been such a brilliant servant for us. I actually think that Jeannie and Bobby have got a very similar mentality because I think they put the team first. Yeah. They absolutely, so, they mm. are there for the team and, and they are just a servant to the team. Whereas, you know, and, and it's not criticism, but, you know, players like Mane and Salah, they, they've kind of, they've got their functions within the team, but, you know, if it's on, they, they're going to take the glory themselves. Whereas more than anyone else, I think Bobby and Jeannie absolutely put the team before themselves. And, and you know, I, I can't speak highly enough about both of them. Bang on, Dave. Yep, absolutely. Well, Dave, whilst I'm with you, let's kind of discuss, um, uh, you know, the substitutions uh, they came on. Um, you know, they, they look good. Uh, they, they kind of linked up and a goal was disallowed. I mean, I'm so glad because this would have been my hat trick of me ranting about VAR. I mean, I am angry at it because that goal should have stood. It was never a foul. To me personally, it wasn't a foul. Where do you sit? Because he went for the ball. I know he, you know, I don't, I don't get it. Like, it's not like the ball was in, um, Fabianski's hands. It wasn't. No, I mean, it's utter bollocks, wasn't it? But the fact that I'm so disillusioned with it all, um, I mean, it's not it's not VAR. VAR is just a technology, isn't it? It's the incompetence of the the people yeah. that, you know, that, that technology is in the hands of. I, I just, I wasn't even surprised, you know, the elation of it. And I had that same feeling that I had with the winner that should have been at Everton, you know, <laughs> when I, I saw the replay. You know, and I thought, ah, we're all right here. And then they, they, I think Carragher, it was on the commentary, was starting to talk about, well, maybe there's a foul on the keeper. And I'm thinking, well, it doesn't really matter. That doesn't really, it doesn't contribute to where the ball's gone. And Mane has made, you know, a play for the ball. And all right, it looks a bit like it might be a bit painful for Fabianski, but he's not particularly fouled him. He's not prohibited him from doing anything on the pitch you know and it's not dangerous play uh, you know uh, he hasn't clipped him in the face he's just gone for the ball so I was pretty comfortable that that wouldn't be chalked off but at the same time the pessimist in me was thinking well 
we're screwed here, aren't we? It's gone to VAR. Oh, that's it. It's going to be chalked off. Sadio's face made me laugh and all that because he kind of like clenched his teeth like I might have fucked that up for you when he looked at Jota. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) I didn't see that. But, you know, but it was a fair play for the ball, wasn't it? I I don't think... I, I... If that goal had been given against us, I wouldn't be moaning about it. I mean, that is a real grasp at straws, isn't it? To say, oh, look, look, where the ball wasn't, you know, Mane fouled the keeper. You know, so it should be disallowed. It's absolute bollocks, and I'm just fucking sick of it. I'm fucking sick of VAR. I'm not quite as despondent as as the last game where we won, you know, but there was still this shit decision that was given against us, against uh, Sheffield United. But I think it is, honestly, sucking the life out of the game. Even for for the Salah penalty, you know, it's given. And I used to like that instantaneous um thing where you know even if if we score a goal you know and then we've all had it where you see the linesman and the linesman has put his flag up and you're like oh you bastard but that's all within let's say two to three seconds Mm. and then it's all done and you can moan about it you can ring up fucking talk sport if you want to you know on, on monday morning and moan about it but but that's it in the game you're enjoying it there and i just I'm done with it. And it, it's not so much goal line technology, you know, that, is, that has been perfect. But it is the, there's something about this English mentality that we have that we need to be super precise. And it, all this nonsense about it needing, needing to be clear and obvious, I, I don't even know. It just triggers me now when people use that term because it's not. They're trying to be super precise. Mm. And for whatever reason, we end up shafted. Like Three games on the trot now, we've ended up shafted. And it's lucky, you know, we, we didn't end up uh, losing because of it tonight. But it's still three decisions on the bounce look to me that it's not about splitting airs. I genuinely, to my core, and I feel like without bias, we've been, you know, harshly done by. Yeah. Dave, I got got something to say that's going to piss you off even more, mate. Um, (laughs) On the the commentary, they confirmed that the VAR didn't, disallow the goal for a foul on the keeper. Oh, it's not offside. For, but for a foul on Ogbonna, the defender. That's ah, what they've, they've said that they've given, right? And there's some screenshots on Twitter where Mane's arm is like around <laughs> Ogbonna's leg or something. Um, apparent, that's what they said on Sky. They said they've had confirmation from the VAR that it was disallowed for a foul on Ogbonna. Can, Which can is, I actually, and, and you're absolutely right, Sam, that does piss me off just a little bit, a few more percent. <laughs> um, can I say, you, you were talking about um, the good example that Rugby Union has, and that if we take that into football, the referees will have more accountability and, and the governing bodies will, will have more accountability. Why do we think for an organization that has never shown an ounce of accountability that they would will onto themselves more accountability. I think rugby union has always had that culture of accountability. Mm. And in football, we've got fuck all of it. And they're I'm quite a, happy. I'm a hopeless romantic and I want things to be nice. 
<laughs> lovely. But I think they're just happy. This technology was brought in to help them, and they still fuck up constantly. You know, yeah. we don't see this as much in Europe. We don't see this as much on the continent. English yeah, referees we, are fucking shit. Honest to God, VAR and the use of it does not give me anxiety in the Champions League. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really yeah. doesn't, but it does in the Premier League, which just goes to show, and case in point, everything's proven, it is the people that use it. Yeah, it is, 100%. You know? But Nina, you know, prime example was the the last Champions League game, wasn't it, with... Liverpool's goal was Mane getting disallowed because they just decided they didn't want us to have a winner. And then Mason Greenwood for Man United, who's, I, I've always thought bullshit, you know, giving offside for half of someone's foot being offside is bullshit. But it was clear as day that Mason Greenwood's feet were off, you know, offside on that image. And the angle was actually flattering towards him. So if they'd have actually brought the angle back a bit, he would have been even further offside. But the, in the Champions League, they've given the benefit of the doubt to the defender because you shouldn't be getting given offside by an inch. You know, this not in the spirit of the game. It's it's absolute bullshit. It's uh, always been advantage to the attacker, and because they brought in this uh, technology, they think it's an exact science. But because frame rate and and the speed of the players running in different directions. It's not, and and because it depends where they put the line on the body of the player. Now they're choosing shoulder now because you can score with your shoulder, whereas before it was further up. Um, it, it it's not an exact science, which is why they have to give a bit of leeway either way. And for me, it's always got to be with the attacker. So, but they're not consistently doing that, and that's what pisses me off. Yeah. But did, did we ever get an answer to you know they're trying to make this? this precise exact science and like you say you know it's it's ridiculous but when they drew that red line for Mane being offside against Everton the red line was not touching any fucking part of Mane <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> so for all the other things you know it's frustrating when you know nah. marginally off you know Firmino's armpit last year against Villa that just at, at that point, that lost me, and I was just like, "Fuck VAR, I'm done." Dave, they did explain it actually, mate. They they gave a quite a good explanation. To be fair, they said that his breath was offside, <laughs> <laughs> so um, you, you could see a little cloud of breath, and um, so they had to, you know, they had to disload that goal then. So, oh, right, right, right. Okay, so so it's like social distancing kind of things in there as well. Got it. Yes, for safety, <laughs> yes. They didn't want the line to be touching his breath, so they moved it. <laughs> right, moved guys, to the <laughs> let's, let's move on. I'm going to ask you a quick question then. So that goal gets chalked off. We're a bit angry, right? It's coming to the you know the latter stages of the game. So I'm going to ask you a quick question. Uh, at that point, did you think this might have to walk away with a point here? Or were you still... No, we've still got it in us. Were you the mentality monster fans? Sam, I'll come to you first. Uh, I was. We're gonna we're gonna score another one now because just out of pure anger and determination mm. that we are gonna, you know, we we've had the exact op. What's the opposite of the rub of the green, Nina? Because <laughs> that's exactly what we've had so far this season. I know everything 
went against us against Villa. Terrible refereeing, some incredibly good play from Aston Villa. Um, the worst deflections you'll ever see, three in one game. Uh, you know, borderline offsides. Terrible decisions against Everton, Sheffield United, West Ham. Injuries galore. No crowd. Everything going against us and we're still coming out. So for me, as soon as that happened, I just thought, right, we're going to score another one because we're going to be so pissed off and we want to finish this game and clop and everyone can come out and just say, we are the mentality monsters. And I know that phrase is being thrown around a lot now because it's become a catchphrase, but it's so, so accurate because sport... When it comes to sport, the, you know these teams, quite often you can p- be paired up against two very similar ability teams. And a lot of the time, it's, it, top-level sport, it's fine margins. And for us, in these tight games, wherever it's, you know, it's a draw game and we're coming into the last 10 minutes, you always back this team to do it. And a lot of that time, a lot of the time it's purely because of our mentality. And I just think we are, you know, un, unrivaled in the world of football at the moment when it comes to mentality. And I think that is our secret weapon. And what about you, Dave? I would love to say that I was unshakable in my belief. I did think we'd find a winner, but I... You know, that was probably 55% of me. The other 45 was like, oh, fuck me. I've seen this so many times over the years. And what I've got already in my ears is this David Moyes masterclass that, you know, I've heard so many times over the years. And it's just like, no, you're just fucking lucky. Again, um, you just come to stifle the game and it just happened to come off for you. So I wasn't surprised, though when it came came off and i was delighted you know like i say i fucking love diego jota he's just the guys at the scouting department have just done it again haven't they they pulled out this gem as sam said before i I knew he was good but it's like Mane, it's like salah they've come here and they've exceeded my expectations or or he's exceeded my expectation on really how good he is yeah, one thing I like about him coming on, and Dave, I'll stick to you, you, you know, talk to me about, you know, the goal. I know we, we kind of said just how gorgeous it was. I think it was just, I think it was relief, but when you actually look back, it just didn't go. But one thing I love is the fact that you can bring him on and the only kind of tweak you need to make is throw him out on the left. Mm-hmm. So is naturally on the right and let Mo Salah just run the middle. Yeah, and again, I, I think Mo's so strong, isn't he? He's, dis- he's only small, but he's, deceptively bloody strong so yeah i it did shake things up a bit and i just think i think shakiri as well i think as soon as he came on he, oh, he yeah, had an influence on the game and i just thought um i mean that goal it, it was just perfection the the weight of the pass that Shakiri plays through, and he actually nutmegs one of the defenders on the way through it was like a snooker shot it was just right across the green yes. and it just landed perfectly. And, and obviously when it's happening in real time, I'm like, Oh, is he going to miss? Is he going to miss? But when you see it in slow motion and, and from different angles, Sadio Mane real- just stands still as well, doesn't he? He doesn't even pounce on it. He just stands and just, you know, just yeah. in awe. Yeah. In awe. And, and you just think, you know, the beauty of the pass, he just couldn't miss that shot. And so, but, but he obviously has to make the run. Mm. Shakiri has to see it, he has to execute it, he has to make it, 
and then slots it away. And as as delighted as I was about getting that winner, it was a big fuck you to the authorities and BAR and you as celebrated well. celebrated it, right? You oh, fuck me. Yes. The, the neighborhood around me just all heard that that was the winner. I was so delighted. It, it was just absolutely fantastic. Brilliant stuff. And what about you, Sam? Your watch tell you you're dead? <laughs> yeah, um, I've had to. I've had to just remove my watch during games these days, Nina, because it's <laughs> uh, it, it's automatically summoning ambulances these days because it thinks I'm having a heart attack. But um, yeah, when that second, when the well, second goal, third goal, you could argue uh, <laughs> when Jota's second uh, goal went in. It was an angry celebration for me. It wasn't like my normal glee, gleeful um, celebration. <laughs> it was more like a fuck you kind of goal celebration because just uh, it, it's getting tiresome now, isn't it? The amount of times we're having goals disallowed against us and shit goals given against us as well. So it just felt like, ah, oh, again. So when we got that winner, it was just a kind of, explosion of aggression for me which is quite rare really but it it is a problem at the moment that we are losing something great about sport you know I'm a big believer in technology and sport and I think it is very important that they use the technology that we have at our disposal in order to make sure that the correct decisions are made because there's so much money at stake and it, it's very important to a lot of people so we want the correct decisions to be made as often as possible, but it's not half sucking the life out of the sport. You know, you know when that first Jota goal went in, I, I didn't celebrate properly because I just thought they're going to disallow it for some reason. And it, it's, such, it's such a shame. And I know, I think we're going to get used to it and everything. And, you know, I think we've got, VAR is here to stay and I, I believe it should be, but bloody hell. Uh, it 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 is making it difficult. So we're, we're losing that. The stadiums when the fans are allowed back in as well, because fans will not yeah. be celebrating. You know, like it's going to have like a really really strange effect. Because the mm. one thing that we all love about football is a goal goes in and everyone cheers. You know, like that yeah. is basically that's football. Yeah, I I've got to a point now, Nina, where I am holding it back a lot because I'm waiting for the the overturn. Yeah, but I think I think the answer to that isn't get rid of VAR because you want the right decisions to be made it's it's make better decisions <laughs> it's just get get me if they need more people there you know I thought the answer would be the referee goes to look at the screen because that, you know, that's what should have happened a few times to the Liverpool games is if they looked at the monitor they'd have made the correct decision like the Fabinho penalty you know bloody hell if the referee looked at the monitor he wouldn't have given it um, things like that and then he looks at the monitor today and, and he disallows the call. So I I don't know what the answer is. They're not going to miraculously get better referees overnight. But Can, and, can yeah, I just I, say, can I jump yeah, in there? Sorry, sorry to cut across yes, you, Sam. Please, yeah, please. There's mate, a I'm really struggling. easy way that they can fix this, right? They keep giving this line that it should be clear and obvious, but it's absolute bollocks. Yeah. VAR is a positive thing, absolutely. We kind of, I tell you, when the World Cup, when they brought it in, I thought it was brilliant. And it added to the drama of it. And, you know, we made sure we got the right decisions. It was great. 
And then in the Premier League hands, it, it's just been fucked up. I think the way they fix this is they actually start practicing what they're preaching about it being clear and obvious. What they're trying to do with the introduction of this technology is they're trying to get the decisions perfect. And in that short amount of time, you know, for us as fans watching, it's a long time. But for them, it must be a a time-boxed, you know, pressured thing. I need to get this right. I need to get this right. If they just call it not clear and obvious, when it isn't clear and obvious, the original decision stands. That's how they fix it. And then they're not trying to agonize over a millimeter one way or the other or, or the breath being offside, as, as we said before. I think they something simple like that just makes it right. It's not clear and obvious. Uh, fans on this side will argue one way. Fans on the other side will argue another way. It's debatable. So the referee's original decision stands. It, it's got to be something like that. We can all hope and pray, but you know what? They tried shafting us today and it was a big fuck you because we still won and we celebrated that one. Guys, I think we have come to the end of this podcast. Are there any final thoughts you want to share? Anything from the game that you feel needs mentioning before we move on to Man of the Match? Sam? Um, yeah, I did. I did actually have something I wanted to draw your attention to. Bear with me. I'll just get it up on my phone. Um, yes, yeah, so that victory today uh, now means that Liverpool are 63 league games unbeaten at Anfield in a row, which equals Liverpool's record held by Bob Paisley's teams between 78 and 81. So, you know, I know we're getting pissed off sometimes with some of the performances or that we've got to put in that Phillips, um, and there's a lot of whinging going on and things like that. Just a bit of context as to how great this Liverpool team is. You know, 63 games at Anfield in a row is unbelievable. Um, So just wanted to give some praise to this team that despite so much adversity, we've had COVID coming in during this run as well, and we're still going strong, and it's just an incredible, incredible achievement. Absolutely. Still keeping that start. Let's hope they completely, absolutely walk it to another level. What about you, Dave? Any final thoughts from the game? It's closer time now. Then we're moving on to Man of the Match. What a brilliant start. I can't compete with that. <laughs> so I think what I can say, though, back to my original point, right, this is, this is about the culture of not only the team that is on the pitch, this this culture of winning rides throughout our whole team now. There's a brilliant book came out a few years ago by James Kerr called Legacy, and it's all about the New Zealand rugby union side. And it's about how they just breed that mentality of success throughout the whole organization. It's everyone. It's not even just the players. It's the kit men. It's the people who work in the canteen. You, you're just breeding that culture of excellence. And that's why I feel fairly comfortable. Even if it comes to January, I'm sure Twitter will have a meltdown if we don't sign two centre-backs that are world-class and what have you. I, I just, my faith is with Klopp and the culture that he's bred in this club. So I, I'm just, I'm angry at VAR still, <laughs> as I have oh, been yeah. for a while now. But 
I'm so happy where we are where we are with uh, the hands that we're in. And we're fucking top of the league while, you know, everyone has been, you know, saying how crap we're going to be and uh, giving us all the reasons why we're not as good as what we were. And we're still up there despite everything. So a huge amount to be optimistic about. Absolutely. I've got a big smile on my face. And Dave, whilst you're still on, give me your man of the match. Oh, it's got to be Nat Phillips, hasn't it? You know, he's the son of Bolton legend. Uh, I think it's Jimmy Phillips, isn't it? Only guy who's booed at his own testimonial. So uh, I think the <laughs> fact that he came in and did a job, I don't think he's, you know, he's not the next Virgil van Dijk. Although I did, did you see that um, someone played with his Wikipedia page? I think there was some blue nose. See you next Tuesday went on there. Um, he wrote that he was better than Virgil van Dijk, who'd recently passed away. Yeah, good one. Um, so, yeah, it's got to be Nat Phillips for me. I like it. And you know what? It's first start and everything, you know? So, was this, was that his first Premier League debut? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but you know what? Fair play to him because it literally was... Um, you know, you could call it the baptism of fire, you know, all eyes on you, Liverpool are conceding goals left, right, centre. What about yourself, Sam? Who are you going to go with? Um, yeah, before I give my man of the match, just want to ask if anyone's actually ever noticed that Kevin Friend looks like a moomin. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if you ever saw, saw that what? cartoon. but There's normally some... me that do stupid shit like this. I do remember the I... movies. <laughs> just, just, I don't know whether my brain is completely fried, but I, I did <laughs> You think... need to put a picture in the chat box because I keep doesn't know him, what they are. I need to put him and a movement next to each other at some point for you guys. Keep an eye on Twitter for that one. Um, yeah, so um, Kevin Friends a movement. And uh, secondly, you know, I, I want to give special mention to Genie Wijnaldum. I think, yet again, very, very good performance from him. I think he stood out a mile. But I'm I'm with Dave. We I just have to give it to Nat Phillips today. I think he went in there, everyone expecting a disaster from him and having to put up, you know, they were putting in Hala saying he's a massive threat aerially, very big, strong guy and he's gonna bully him. And it was the exact opposite. I you know, I just think he he did everything that was required of him today. He was physical, aggressive and, you know, no one was getting past him. So, for me, I was absolutely delighted for the guy. I, I tweeted before the game, you know, good luck to big Nat Phillips, just hoping for something like that today. And I, I couldn't have asked for any more. So, I think it's in a, in a bit of a dog of a game at times. I think the a defensive player is someone that should be getting it today. So, my man of the match today, Nat Phillips. You know what? Good shout that. I think so. Um, I think it's between him and Ginny. I mean, you could give it to the subs as well, you know, Jota being instrumental, Shakiri being good. But I think given the circumstances, I think I'm going to have to give it to you. <laughs> picturing of a moving, I love that. Um, I am going to have to give it to um, uh, Phillips as well. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. Um, massive thanks to Harinda as well. Our first caller, massive thank you to both Dave and Sam. But before I let them go, they're going to do some plugs. Dave, where can people find you on social media? 
So you can get me on Raging Base UK. You can also get me at uh, Comics in Motion P on uh, Twitter. Uh, you can listen to Comics in Motion podcast. Next week, we have the 5th of November, and we are going to release a review of V for Vendetta, which is a, a movie based on a book about uh, someone who tries to overthrow a fascist, fucking corrupt government. So is is rather uh, apt, I think, at the moment. So, yep, you can get me there. Thanks, Nina. Wonderful. And uh, thank you so much, Dave. You were an incredible guest and we will definitely be checking that out because I know you guys kept me busy when you, we were, you were on the channel. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I'll definitely be listening in. Um, what about you, Sam? Where can people find you and what are you working on? Um, if you want to have a chat to me uh, with me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Moomin Fan Club. Um, no, it's, it's, it's at Sambo <laughs> Evans. Um, I, I have no association with Moomin's and they're not paying me any sort of commission for plugging them either. Um, by yeah, at Sambo Evans on Twitter. Uh, so if you ever want to have a chat about the Reds, uh, give me a shout. Wonderful. Follow both of these lads. They're absolutely excellent. Great Reds. Really nice guys. They definitely, definitely deserve to enrich your timeline. For my part, did a Euro incision with um, Demis Casares, which was absolutely excellent. Um, uh, his wife has got some, some of the best nicknames for this Liverpool squad. Shakiri is the construction worker. We don't know. Um, I'll hopefully I should be back with an, another Euro incision, but keep it locked here. There's going to be loads of awesome content. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Till next time, take care, stay safe, and up the reds. Podcast Network. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.